Hello, welcome to the Valley View Podcast, episode 124. My name is Tyler, and I'm here with Matt and our wives. Matt, you just called an ice cream bar a well, like a what? What is it called? An ice cream bar and a stick? Called it a popsicle. What possessed you to do that? <laughs> this is a chocolate dipped vanilla ice cream bar on a stick. I think the only defense I need is that you just had to ask the question, "What do I call this?" Well, I don't call it a popsicle. You chose not to. I would never call it a popsicle. Okay. A popsicle is fruity and usually water-based. That is true. I spoke too quickly. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? I forgive you as long as you recognize that what you did was wrong. <laughs> I don't know. I think Matt would have some supporters out there who would say that oh. it is, in fact, a frozen thing that is on a stick, and therefore it is a popsicle. Ooh, interesting. Absolutely not. Um, if you agree with me, DM me at Hobots Tyler and tell me you agree. If you don't agree with me, then don't message me. <laughs> I have an example I've seen in candy stores. You're married to me. Why are you siding with Matt? I've seen in candy stores like a scorpion that has been yes. pressed oh, yeah. into yes. some sticky goo, mm -hmm. and it because it's on a stick. It's called a a scorpion popsicle. <laughs> I have a Google definition. That's so wrong. Here we That's go. so wrong. I know. I don't think it either. But okay, cool. it says a piece of flavored ice or ice cream on a stick. Mm -hmm. a popsicle. I totally disagree with that. Nice. Complete disagreement. I mean, the the product of ice like... cream. I would say ice cream is not a popsicle. But what about a fudgesicle? Mm. I think it's the stick. Could you call that a fudge pop? No, it's literally called a fudgesicle. Like, they have a brand that's yeah. called fudgesicle. It's true. true story. Well, not a popsicle, though. <laughs> but also, fudge is not ice cream. So I don't think that a fudgesicle is a popsicle either, but I don't really need to... That's not the hill for me because it's not ice cream. My my hill is that ice cream is not a popsicle. You know, what if it's ice cream that's milk-based but fruit-flavored, like an orange <laughs> strawberry. Yeah. or strawberry? Wait, what? Like an orange creamsicle. Mm -hmm. Oh, is that ice cream? Yeah, yeah. It's vanilla ice cream wrapped in like orange mm -hmm. something. Yeah, something. Maybe we need to restart this podcast so that we don't have to hear me be shot down in every turn. <laughs> no, I like it. No, I like the passion. Don't I, you, I don't like it. Don't you think um, popsicle might be a, a a brand name, and it's kind of like Kleenex, where Kleenex is a brand name, but anything that looks like a facial tissue we just call a kleenex because it's become synonymous so i don't think there's a popsicle brand is there no molly google please. Um, i thought there was there is a popsicle brand hmm. but yeah. i want to advocate for the listener right now and ask that we move on <laughs> i was about to i was gonna turn it to yeah that's silly i don't know if we've ever started a podcast that mid-conversation before but um we are sponsored and then we'll tell you why our wives are here <sighs> This episode of the Valley View podcast is sponsored by Big Mike's Medical Mechanics. And it is a truly great day. We are having a BOGO special on all orthopedic replacement joints. That's buy one, get one, buy one, get one, BOGO. I'm reading Obadiah, so I'm not really going to say okay. a lot. <laughs> uh, that's a two-for-one special on all knees, hips, elbows, and knuckles. Our replacement joints are all machined from pristine Vietnamese titanium because only the highest grade ore is acceptable for our products. If you need one joint replacement, we encourage you to invite a friend to, re 
to replace one of theirs. Our joint replacements are truly a wonder of function and economy. We'll have you back break dancing in no time. Each replacement procedure comes complete with a commemorative video of your surgery for you to share on all your social media platforms so that everyone can experience the joy and pride you have in this exceptional purchase. How are you doing in Obadiah? I'm like halfway done. If replacement joints are sadly not your thing, we have a wide variety of orthopedic surgical tools, plates, nails, and screws as well. You will be the envy of your friends and neighbors when they see your collection of the finest stainless steel saws, drills, and hammers. And think of their gratitude when you can repair a broken femur in the comfort of your own garage Mm. with an uh, intramedullary nail from your own private collection. Come see us at uh, www.bmikesx.med. That's bmikesx.med or at our state-of-the-art showrooms just west on Highway 212 in Norwood, Young America or Northeast in Little Canada, just off of I-35 East and 694. Follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter, for <laughs> notification of all upcoming in-store demonstrations. Big Mike's Medical Mechanics, that's mechanics with an X. We spell it with an X because we're hip and we have those two. And I want to thank uh, one of our uh, dedicated listeners for submitting um, our ad read today. On Glenn from Eden Prairie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Glenn from Eden Prairie. Awesome. Um, Tyler, do you have any uh, joints that are not original to your body? Mm, No. Hmm. I had a lot of tubes in my ears. But I don't think those are joints. I think Big Mike's would agree with you there. All right. Where are we going today? Um. We're going to talk about coffee and Obadiah. The wives are here for the coffee. Yeah. And probably Obadiah too. Coffee. Yeah. Well, we're not giving you coffee. What? <laughs> so just Ow. to just to tease the the coffee discussion a little bit, John Piper, um, former pastor at Bethlehem Baptist um, here in Minneapolis, uh, tweeted out last week. No, he X'd out. He, he X'd out last <laughs> week. Um, something to the effect of, um, can we reassess um, having people sip on coffee during worship services. Something, is that close mm-hmm. enough? Mm-hmm. And then he quoted a Bible verse. <clears throat> yeah, okay. I'll find it. We'll find the exact tweet. Um, seeming the, the uh, what, can you still call it a tweet, even though it's on X? You can call it whatever you want. Right. It's just fun to make fun of it. We're going to say, it's an X. we're going to stay with the, the Twitter tweet language on this podcast, at least for now. The tweet like called into question, like, hey, is it okay for people to be drinking coffee in worship or is that kind of irreverent? So we're going to talk about that today and um, see if we can come to a conclusion on whether, well, Piper just said, ask us to reassess. So we'll reassess. Can't wait. Yeah. Um, let's start with Obadiah. Good old Obi. Did you finish reading the book during the ad read? I did. Okay. It's only like 23 verses. General thoughts. I was thinking that if I was just a person who opened, even somebody who's like known the Bible okay, but maybe like is not a huge big nerd about it like me, mm-hmm. if you like open to Obadiah and just read it, I feel like you would be so confused. Because mm-hmm. it's just like, 
It's a random one chapter book talking about how God's going to destroy Edom, a place that you maybe haven't heard of. And then it's like referencing Jacob and Esau. You're like, wait, Jacob and Esau were at like the beginning. I'm in like the middle, closer to the end right now. Like what is, what's going on? And even as someone who is a big nerd about the Bible, I still am like trying to like, like jog my memory. Like, what is this talking about again? I know what it's talking about. (laughs) (laughs) This is the summary of Obadiah that I learned at the one and only Moody Bible Institute. Whoop. Oh, bad Edom. Oh, bad Edom. The end. Thank you. Thanks, Emily. You're welcome. That's very concise. That is actually a pretty good summary of the book, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, bad Edom. Who's Edom, Matt? Uh, Edom is the descendants... The descendants of Esau. So... Who's Esau? Esau, brother of Jacob. Red guy. Yeah, the red guy. <laughs> <laughs> he's got lots of red hair like me yeah. there you go <laughs> do you feel any affinity for Edom because of that connection that very personal for connection Edom? no maybe Esau but not Edom okay all right when uh when we moved to um Texas and had to find a new church when I started seminary our family moved down there Molly and I joined a community group and we got there right as they were finishing um studying Obadiah so this is like seven couples who are about our age. They were in their late 20s, early 30s. And I remember being very surprised that they, they had just finished studying Obadiah. How long did they spend on it? I don't know. But if this is any um, indication, like the first time we attended, all they did that night is they divided into men and women. And the men sat around the dining room table and watched YouTube videos. Nice. Of just totally random stuff. And I don't know what the women did. Do you remember, Molly? Um, I think we just talked. Okay. About God? (laughs) 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 So coming off of studying Obadiah, apparently the only thing they could think to do up next was spend um, a whole night watching YouTube videos. Did you go back to that community group? Yeah, we did. And they became really good friends. Uh, But we we totally missed the Obadiah study and we started studying something else. Hmm. Nice. So... Well, what what do you think we can take away from the book of Obadiah? And if all the scripture points to Jesus, how does the book of Obadiah point to Jesus? I'll answer your question with a question. How similar is the point of Obadiah to the point of Joel or Amos? Mm. Say more. No, no, no. I want you to answer now because I asked you a question. <laughs> or you can answer my question with another question. Okay. Well, we have um, we have judgment on God's people in like Joel and Amos, but that God will restore mm-hmm. um, after the period of judgment and Israel's enemies will actually be judged. So it's almost like a, a companion to those in some ways mm-hmm. that talk more about the judgment of their of Israel's enemies um, that will take place after God's people have been judged. Uh, good job didn't answer it with a question (laughs) yeah but doesn't well i mean i read it so long ago i gotta look it back up but doesn't it again end with um talking about how god's people are going to be restored it does it does yeah that's what i was just highlighting that like this is another minor prophet that ends with it's going to work out okay for god's people in the end yeah i think the broad outline would be um hey edom it was not good of you to be 
like laughing while Israel was being plundered. Because that's that's the issue they're talking about, right? Like when Israel was getting exiled, Edom, instead of trying to help Israel, was like, "Eh yeah, exactly. And the judgment is going to come on Edom. And basically, their fortunes are going to be reversed. Edom, Edom, after this happens, Edom is going to be judged and destroyed, whereas Israel will be reestablished in Jerusalem and have a a future. And Edom will not. Do you think? (laughs) Do you think? (laughs) Here we go. That if Edom would not have acted that way as Israel was being exiled, that they would have not been destroyed? Um. Yeah. I think I could go along with that. Like if they had come to Israel's aid mm-hmm. instead of like standing back and being happy and rejoicing, if they had entered in to defend Israel, then I think that would have been good and they wouldn't have been judged. Do you think that they ever would have done that? I don't know. I mean, well, I, the reason I ask is because aren't there, I'm kind of out of my depth, but like, aren't there some prophecies or like prophetic statements made about bad things coming for Esau's line? or am i just out of it you know i don't know i don't think i can answer that today i don't remember anything specifically all right that doesn't mean they're not there it just means i don't remember okay and that's all i mean i feel like we're not gonna go for like an hour on obadiah right like (laughs) no i mean i think it is a really good question like of all the books in the bible i think this is the one that i find the hardest to uh like apply and draw a line to Jesus. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because it seems so specific. Um, so it seems a little bit time bound mm-hmm. that I, I think it's just harder than the others. Mm-hmm. Um I think like practically speaking, if you just want to get really practical with the application, you could go to things like, hey, when you see someone fall, like if you're a famous Christian, like fall, like in sin or whatever, and maybe lose their job and um, it's easy for us to stand back and like have a condemning attitude and say, oh, yeah, I wouldn't have done that. Or laugh at them. Yeah, kind of laugh at them and even maybe inwardly kind of rejoice at their downfall for well, some reason. Yeah, because Edom probably had lots of things built up in their hearts of why Israel stunk. Yeah. So they they probably felt justified in laughing. Yeah. And I feel like it's very easy for us to do the same thing of like, especially, I don't know, like certain strains of Christianity have things built up in their hearts against other strains of Christianity. So it's very easy to see somebody outside of your tribe. Yeah. Fall. Yep. And be like, ha, serves them right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But you shouldn't do that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you could take a kind of a political look at it if you wanted to bring politics into it. And a large portion of the church is more conservative and seeing one of their so-called enemies go down you know, and kind of rejoicing in a political victory like that while refusing to notice your own problems. Mm-hmm. That's um, problematic whenever you're so consumed with, you know, rejoicing over your enemy's downfall that now you just kind of have become more secure in your own problems. Right. Because um, you have this false sense of security from, oh, something bad happened to them. I must be okay because nothing bad happened to me. Right. It's almost like you're hardened and confirmed in your own issues. Yeah. And I think that's I think that that is a fair comparison for us to make, even though like you could argue like, well, wait, Israel and Edom, right? Like not both part of God's people. But I mean, Israel comes from Jacob. Edom comes from Esau. They are both biological grandchildren of Abraham. Mm -hmm. So I think it is a decent comparison to make. Maybe not perfect. Like definitely not like one to one, like perfectly clean. But I think it's I think it's an okay way to talk about it. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. 
Well, we move from Obadiah to getting to talk next time about like one of everyone's favorite books. Really? Jonah's one of your favorite books? Yeah. Isn't it one of everyone's favorite books? It's not one of my favorite. Really? Okay. Uh, next time I want to find out why. It's mid-tier not Bible book. I don't know. <laughs> mid-tier? Really? Okay. Well, we'll need to talk more about that next time. Why is Jonah mid-tier? And I love it so much. Uh, okay. John Piper would like us to think about and reassess whether it's okay to drink coffee during corporate worship in the sanctuary. All right, John. Let's go. All right. So let's go. Who has an opinion that they would like to share right off the bat? Not me. That was an invitation for Emily or Molly to share an opinion. <laughs> Did you find the actual? Yeah, I have it. Okay, here. let's have the actual tweet from. The... <clears throat> Excuse me. And the date of the tweet, if you have it. Oh yeah, it was like the end of September. Oh, the thirtieth. Yeah. So he says, "Can we reassess whether Sunday coffee sipping in the sanctuary fits?" And then he quotes Hebrews 12, 28, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. And there are lots of nice retweets that say, I can't imagine drinking coffee in the sanctuary. That's ridiculous. <laughs> or not retweets, but like comments on the yeah. tweet. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Are those people being sarcastic? No. No. Oh, actually, really? no. Oh, hmm. There are people that legitimately can't imagine they're like coffee they're like the disgusted by the idea that someone would drink coffee in the sanctuary. Okay, all right. Well, um, <laughs> Molly, Tyler, Emily, how do you guys feel? Are you disgusted by that idea, or are you okay with people bringing their coffee? <laughs> I mean, I'm disgusted by the idea of drinking coffee anywhere. So, in a sense, sure, yeah, I am disgusted. <laughs> what was the? Sorry, can you read the Bible verse again? Yes. Let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. Okay. So I think my main issue, well, and the th here's the thing. He's not even, he didn't say you cannot drink coffee in the service because you're being disrespectful to God. Mm -hmm. He didn't go quite that far. So it, you know. <laughs> he did imply that. He did maybe imply slightly. that. That's the thing. That's where I find a little bit of like, you know, because I, if, yeah, if the implication is, if you are drinking coffee in the service, you're, you are not worshiping God with reverence and awe. And that I would say is like not, it's too general of a statement, you know, it's too broad of a brush. It's like, that's, you know, just not true. Um, I would definitely say that that happens sometimes for some people, you know, that you're like, just being casual, you're just casually sipping your coffee and checking your phone and fallen asleep and like mm -hmm. you know we do approach our worship of god casually as sinful humans often but i would not say that whether or not you are have coffee with you in church is like the largest indicator of that <laughs> um I, i'm glad you mentioned the uh mentioned what you did because i just heard yesterday someone was relating to me that a mutual friend actually gets coffee and drinks it during the service in order to stay awake mm -hmm. to offer reverent attentive worship to god um which is an interesting counterpoint what if the coffee is actually helping you achieve that purpose yeah 
I mean, I also, I feel like my, not my first thought, but the first thought that I'll share um, is like, well, isn't our whole life supposed to be one of worship? So if you're concerned about coffee stopping you from worshiping, you you if you're going to carry that to its logical end, then you should just never drink coffee. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, I, yeah. I get that there's probably, I, I get that there is a distinction between coming to like a corporate worship service and yeah. living your life as one of worship. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I don't I, Yeah, Coffee just isn't the hill for me. I think that's like my main idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Molly, what do you think? I was just thinking like personally, when I have coffee during the worship service, <laughs> I mean, if I would have coffee. <laughs> I would never when I have, have a nondescript mug that could have any beverage in it. I, I you know, typically I, it's just something that gets knocked over. Like I think I'm going to want it and then I don't really want it. So it's more of just like maybe a comfort, comfort for me <laughs> to have coffee with me. Uh-huh. Um, I, I basically never turn down coffee. So if it's there, I'll have some. Um, but it's not like the reason I come or it's not like, I don't know, for me, it's not a distraction. Um, I don't know. I think I, maybe I'm just justifying myself. I almost wish your take was like, I come to church for the church coffee. That would be a really funny take. That wouldn't be funny. (laughs) A very rare take, I would say. Yeah. I have tons of thoughts on this. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Matt. I I do as well. <laughs> Spill them. Well, the first thing uh, that I want to say is that um, I feel like the so the idea of irreverence is definitely what he's getting at. It, I don't. It's not that he's saying that it's distracting to people. I think he's just talking about the irreverence issue. And I think that what is irreverent in a worship service has, or what's considered irreverent has kind of morphed over time. And what oh, absolutely, to morph, right? absolutely. Like for a while, like, oh, drums are irreverent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that's attached to music. Um, Jeans. I was going to say, yeah, the, the yeah, way that you dress. dress is constantly evolving. Yes. And so mm-hmm. any church will probably be a mixture of, you know, people who with all varying opinions on what what's irreverent and what's not, depending on their background and how old they are and, and all those things. So I think the real question is, where is the, like, where's the line? Like, it sounds like Piper is kind of drawing the line at coffee. Okay. Um, so I asked myself the question, well, where's the line for me? Because I feel like I'm okay with people drinking coffee, that it is not distracting, that I don't think it's irreverent. But then I thought, well, what would be? Um if it's not coffee, then, you know, is it, how would you feel if um, a group of people brought a pizza in and sat in the front row and passed a pizza box around? How would I feel? Yeah. Is that, is that irreverent or is that not irreverent? I would not see that as irreverent. <clears throat> no. Okay. I don't, because I don't think irreverence is defined by external qualities. Mm. Like yes. the, the question I was going to ask next is like, what is the objective measure of if something is irreverent mm-hmm. or, or if you're worshiping irreverently? Mm-hmm. And I don't think the answer can be external because as cultures change and are different across the world, mm-hmm. the external things that you see are going to be different and interpreted in different ways. I think that's a great point. So Jesus at one point sets up a, a, a juxtaposition between two people, right? 
and says one person came to worship and did this and the other one came and did this and this one went unjustified and this one did not so i think he's given us license to look at two different people and say which one pleases god more right. so let me put this to you which person pleases god more the per the person who comes to church with coffee and drinks coffee the whole time and inwardly loves god and is worshiping god and is engaged or the person who comes to church not really wanting to be there, not drinking coffee, but just sitting there kind of stewing the whole time, uh, kind of scoffing inwardly at this notion that people are worshiping God. Which person pleases God more? Coffee guy. Right. Or now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so I love your point about reverence being more a matter of what's going on inside rather than outside. Because you can push that so much. For, like, I mean, who who is worshiping God? Or who who is, which worship is God more pleased with? The worship of someone who pulls up 10 minutes awake, wearing sweats, has not taken a shower or brushed their teeth, but is there because they really, really, really do not want to miss the opportunity for corporate worship. Yeah. Or the person who's been awake for four hours is wearing a suit and tie, but is just there because they know they're supposed to be. Do you think there's anything someone could do in a service that would be um, an external thing that would be irreverent? Um. Well, I don't, I, I don't think there's like one specific action, but I feel like the principle would be something along the lines of like, this is, well, it's not even about, but I don't even think it's about irreverence. What I was going to say was like a thing that would distract the rest of the body from worshiping. But even that, I don't think, I think that's a different matter than irreverence. So I don't, I don't think I have like a thing that you could do that would be irreverent across all time and across all cultures. I was kind of struggling with that too, as I thought through this issue of the difference between irreverence and distracting. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What do you all, Molly and Emily, what do you think about that? The issue of things that are irreverent in church and things that are distracting in church. Um, external things can be distracting, right? And maybe not okay. Mm -hmm. Um <clears throat> What do y'all think? I'm I'm talking too much on this podcast. I want to talk less. <laughs> well, we also I don't I don't know. I'm just I'm to be honest with you, I keep getting distracted by the fly. There's been a fly in this office for like a minute. <laughs> anyway, I don't know what I was saying. Reverend fly. Emily, go ahead, dear. Molly, did you Molly, go ahead, dear. Or wait, no, you're not dear. Yeah. <laughs> I'm nice. falling apart. Nice. <laughs> I didn't even hear it. Good. <clears throat> what what are we what's the question <laughs> sorry irreverence versus distracting distraction? what's the difference between irreverent and distracting <laughs> well i mean i think having kids i think a lot about distraction like you know when you sit behind someone and they're talking like during the service um that's really distracting to me but I don't know that it's irreverent. Not necessarily. It could be. It could be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. That's... Irreverent seems like a difficult thing to judge another person on. Right. Like, because it seems like more of a heart posture than yeah. what they're actually doing on the outside. Right. Um, and I should I should also mention, like, I'm not like, I'm not trying to be a relativist, right? Like, I, I think that there are objectively things that can be going on inside of you that are irreverent. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think, and I think that that 
is like those things going on inside of you are the same across time and across culture. Mm -hmm. I just, I just think that the exterior outworkings of those things inside of you change a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I, I wonder if what John Piper is really going after is uh, something that's broader, which would be like the fact that um, like coffee shop type setups have become so common, like near the sanctuary, outside the sanctuary, that it's more of a coffee culture, mm-hmm. almost like you're walking in. It's like, hey, take this coffee with you as you're going. This is like, you know, I wonder if it's more that idea than like actually drinking coffee in the service that hmm. the main draw should be God, not like, oh, the coolness of the coffee. And oh, I wonder if he okay. rebels more against that, that and just kind of regrets that that has become kind of caught up. That's interesting everything. to think about, because there are a lot of churches that are like moving towards meeting somewhere that's not a building, like having like a coffee shop church where you go to a coffee shop and that's where you do church and yeah. you talk about God in that environment. Mm-hmm. I think that he, that certain external things you could be doing during a service are like, they could be more likely or less likely to be linked to what's going on inside of you. So like, say for example, you're playing a phone game during the service. That doesn't mean necessarily that you're irreverent in your heart at that moment, but like there's probably a pretty likely chance that you're not like thinking deeply about God (laughs) in that time. And so I think he is making a link between this external action of like sipping coffee during church with the posture of your heart and would the the part that I rebelled against in that statement was like that is definitely not true of all people at all times but to kind of play the other side a little bit like I would kind of agree with him in the sense of like I think I see that in myself and in other people of like of like you're thinking about you know getting your coffee and you're sipping it and maybe it's not the right temperature or you're like mm-hmm. oh i i'm you know maybe i'll walk out of the service and go put some more creamer in it and <laughs> like uh i remember i like thinking about like oh man like i wish that the singing didn't happen in the beginning because then my coffee gets cold during the singing I wish we could just do the sermon right now so then I can drink my coffee during the sermon and so anyway I think he's that link that he's making is not totally like undefensible I think it's a defensible link and what he did was say can we assess so I'm okay with assessing, you know? I am okay with assessing. Yeah, he just asked a question. Yeah, mm-hmm. as long as yeah. you're not, you know, but it, but it does kind of come across as assuming that those coffee sippers are irreverent in their hearts. But, I mean, <laughs> what about water? I mean, why, why are, why you know, coffee? what's the difference? I, I think, mean, I know the difference, mm-hmm. but I think, okay, if I'm, let's get, let's go a level deeper here. Mm-hmm. I think that coffee as an idol is a common thing mm-hmm. and dependence on coffee. And like, I can only pay attention if I have my coffee and like, I'm only awake if I have my coffee and like this level of like dependency mm-hmm. idolatry that just creeps in 
to the world of a lot of us coffee drinkers without us like realizing it um yeah i think that could be part of why it's coffee specifically and i feel like the only reason this discussion is happening kind of in this decade or is because church coffee has gotten so much better like and the prevalence of like starbucks caribou i wouldn't know good, good coffee like, yeah, we're not having this conversation 30 years ago because there was not coffee worthy yeah. of drinking um, for <laughs> an hour. <clears throat> uh, but it is a problem now because coffee has become so good. Um, just mm-hmm. FYI, Tyler. Mm-hmm. Good to know. So, Well, okay. Sometimes y'all are up front, right? All three of you. I'm never up front. Mm-hmm. Um, when you look out at the, the, the worshipers, the mm-hmm. congregation... I mean, I guess I'm going to just pick on people that might doze off. Like, is it more <clears throat> irreverent? <laughs> I mean, I've fallen asleep, you know, like, I'm not going <laughs> to say that's never happened. But, you know, like, I guess I'm, I feel like coffee is okay. Um, like, you know, I mean, if people are falling asleep, that's like a. You think that's worse? I do. <laughs> Maybe you and John Piper should talk. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. What do you think? Upfront people. I think it's so hard to assess these things because um, there's so many different reasons why a person might fall asleep. Yep. You know, even, it, even to the point there's different reasons why someone might be on their phone. Like yeah, maybe you, exactly. maybe you need a fidget to pay attention, and your fidget is a yep. meaningless phone game. We've got caretakers. Uh, mm-hmm. We've got law enforcement people. We have um, all yeah people checking in with loved ones at home that didn't come to church. I mean, there's just so many things um, that someone I, you know. There's people at our church that work a late shift, and they might get one hour of sleep and then come to church. And is it better for them to come on one hour of sleep or to stay home? Well, I'd rather have someone come on one hour of sleep and fall asleep yeah then just decide not to come i mean that's an honorable thing to come right so i guess all that to say is there's so many different factors here that it's really tough to judge another person because we can't see their heart facts nice good yeah 30 plus minute episode (laughs) really hit our stride at like exactly the 30 minute march (laughs) um i want to thank john piper for the 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 tweet Keep them coming, John. Let's reassess everything. <laughs> should I put should I put should I put John Piper as a guest on this week's episode? <laughs> I don't think I'm going to, but I'll mention his name. Okay. okay. Uh, next week we're talking about Jonah and something. Yeah, have a nice week, everyone. Maybe just Jonah. Yeah, maybe just Jonah. <laughs> <laughs>